Ooh, Ooh, you're a spooky ghost. I know it's a little past Halloween when this episode comes out, but there's a couple things I want to say about Halloween. But spooky season continues until Thanksgiving at Target. They change the candy aisle into Christmas candy. Oh, to candy cane. In my opinion. You know, I was. Look, you know, walk around my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Look at all the Halloween decorations. They're closing off one of the streets. The TikToks are great, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm reviewing my way through Halloween decorations in my neighborhood to the best of my ability. Man, TikTok is time consuming to use. Like to edit a video and just like, wait, I don't want It's to not very user friendly. It's really not. I don't know to how to watch pe- it is. I'm, I'm so impressed by people who are like editing together fucking films. They mm-hmm. are directors, they are writers, they are producers, they are editors. Like, I applaud TikTok creators because I understand, like, it really genuinely takes a lot of forethought and then a lot of energy and execution. Well, they're like a different breed. I mean, like we True. grew up with the internet, but these children were born yeah. with modems plugged into their right. spines. Right. In the way that like, I guess we know how to like type or text with our eyes closed. They know how to use TikTok with their eyes Very closed. Very like that. I still, you know, and I could, I could see myself getting fast at it, but I'm like, I don't want to. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stay slow at it and just do it at my leisure. Yeah. Keep it um, fun. Yeah. Keep it fun for me. But so I posted on Twitter that, you know, I kind of dig. I, I was never big into Halloween. I never really cared about Halloween that much. Mm-hmm. I was like, people make too much of a big deal about it. You got to go to a party. You got to get a costume. So annoying. Spend all this money. You know, it's such an American fabrication and like whatever. But now, not only do I think it's like cute that it like kind of brings together all like the kids. Yeah. But I also think it's kind of cool that it's a non-imperial holiday yes. celebrated by America. For once. For once, I yep. can be like, you know what? Happy fucking Halloween. No history of colonialism. We don't need to take down any statues. It's just spooky season. It's just fucking spooky season. It's not It's not even a Christian holiday. No. It's neither religious nor imperial. It's just capitalistic. It's That's just it. pure capitalism. It is still capitalistic, but right, like we have no May Day. <laughs> but my uh, ex-boyfriend, his apartment like in Brooklyn, his him and his roommates, they had a calendar in the kitchen, but it was a Russian calendar and every single month was a different picture of Putin. <gasps> And it was like funny. It was like, like shirtless on a horse. Hilarious. Yeah. No, literally shirtless, no. like laying between two Siberian huskies. Like sexy pictures of Putin. Got Genuinely. It. Like they weren't photoshopped. They Just were start an OnlyFans. And all the holidays were Russian holidays. So like May Day was on there. Uh-huh. Um it was just funny. It was so fucking funny. And the funny. day started on a different day. And they also had a poster in their bathroom that I always loved. And it said, Is your washroom breeding Bolsheviks? <laughs> I was obsessed with it. It was oh like a God. real like old propaganda. Like, yeah, like vintage propaganda. It was so good. Wild. And it was an ad for like, I think it was an ad for like soap. I guess I have nothing to kiki about. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we already talked about Halloween. Um, But yeah, I mean, that's all I have to say. But no, we have a big episode today. So, I, you know, should we just... It's crazy. It's finally time to put back on our V-suits. Zip up, boys. Strap in, strap on. Strap in, strap on. Plug in. VR shields up. Boot up. Load up. And dial back into the world of Three Body the video game. I love this game so much. Every time we get to spend time in it, I'm just like, yes, more of this. I'm dying for the Wii version or the Wii. 
There's no Wii's anymore. You keep the Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> cursed Wii version. I want to see this on the Netflix adaptation. Yes, of course. But like what gaming console do you want to play Three Body on? Like a new one. Does it exist yet? Probably not. But I'm sure like PlayStation is working on it. Yeah, like a PlayStation 40 or yeah. something. PlayStation. So let's dive in. Episode 11. And the name of this chapter is Three Body, Motsi, and Fiery Flames. Here we go. You are listening to Radar Peak, a three-body podcast reviewing our way through the three-body problem and discussing its real-life parallels. I'm Allie. I'm Brett, and on today's episode, it's finally time to log back on. So grab your V-suit, we're diving into Three-Body the video game once more as we discuss Chapter 11, Three-Body, Motsi, and the Fiery Flames. Energy unit reporting. All systems go. Cutting unit reporting. All systems go. Amplifier unit reporting. All systems go. Interference monitor unit reporting. With an acceptable range. Begin transmission. Loading up to the screen. You are now entering three body. I'm super excited to get back into the game. Yeah, same. But first, let me just quickly tell you how the chapter starts. Oh boy. Nothing big. Wing finally goes home. You know, he's been sleeping in his car for. He's been on this bender. Day. Yeah, he's been on a fucking bender. And his wife is like, Your phone's been ringing off the handle with people trying to get a hold of you from work. I mean, where you been? So he has a drink, takes Dasha's advice, tries to relax, take a load off, tries to go to sleep. It's like basically bedtime. He lies in bed. His wife's next to him. He's not tired. So, you know, he goes to the computer and he puts on his V suit and logs on. Because as we know, he has bought a fucking V suit for his house. We love it his wife is never gonna see him again that's right turns it on begins the same as last time desolate plain at dawn but this time he's already standing in front of that pyramid oh he's back at shoka yeah however all of the snow is gone and the ground is a different color and there are like some massive buildings behind the pyramid that like were not there before okay and he thinks those must be dehydratories but they're in a totally different style you know, like before they were like barns. Now I'm thinking they're like Frank Lloyd Wright buildings. Right. Yeah. Like but the Aztec house. Yeah. Totally like different style. Uh-huh. Maybe Victorian. I mean, I'm sure they're not Victorian. This is still. I, but there's in the three body game, like there is this sort of. Uh, it's like a mishmash of all history. Mishmash. Exactly. Yeah. Because no joke, like the pyramid itself is different too. Oh. The pyramid is now, instead of having that like entrance at the base, has stairs leading up to the top which is now flat like an Aztec pyramid. Oh, okay. And Wayne gathers that eons have passed. Do you know how long an eon is? Because I was just like, oh, how long is an eon? An so eon? A million years? Like, a million, you guess? So it's actually, in astronomy, a billion years. Oh, my God. But in geology, it's actually inexact. Oh. And I just thought this was a fun little fact. In Earth history... We didn't learn that in Rocks for Jocks. <laughs> you didn't? No. So I mean, we didn't learn anything in Rocks for Jocks, right. but definitely not that. Tell me if you learned this. In Earth history, stages of the Earth's development are divided into four major eons. Okay. Hadean, 
Archean, uh-huh. Proterozoic, uh-huh. and Phanerozoic. Yes. So you did learn that. That we did learn, but not in Rocks for Jocks. That we learned in biology. Mm, isn't that funny how biology, they teach you geology? Yeah. And like chemistry? Yeah. And physics? I swear, same for I mean, me. I guess it applies because like... There's no separating. Biological like remnants are found in the geologic record. Right. You know, things like that. But True. yeah, wild. And so those, those eons are then divided into eras uh-huh. and periods. And the geological eons are not distinct by like a billion years or whatever they're distinguished by major stages in earth's geological history rather than fixed periods of time totally not important but i was like you guys that's fascinating like share that with your family talking about the same thing but using completely different metrics right i just like love that and it's just a good reminder like i forget like what's an era and what's an eon yeah right what's a period we use them interchangeably but they're not yeah so the pyramid's different he climbs to the apex of this Aztecian-looking pyramid, super high up. Like, so high up that the people down below look like ants. And at the top of this apex, he finds all of these, like, telescopes and these, like, moving spherical models that he describes as looking like armillary spheres whoa do you know what an armillary sphere is no but like i'm imagining like an orrery which is like a like an old school like physical representation of like our solar system it's often mechanized like that kind of thing so here is a picture of some old armillary spheres that we were picturing fun um not quite but yeah not not an orrery doesn't exist inside a sphere think of like do you remember from like science class how you would see like like a rotating model of the solar system yeah like a mobile on like yeah but like oh that classic tabletop, one with like, the wire with, yeah that can rotate that and it's flat so on a table cla- and everyone i always wanted to touch it but like i feel like the teacher was the only one who would ever touch it yeah but so like an orrery is one that like is is mechanized so that like once it starts you can you can watch not only the orbits of the planets changing but the moon's going around them oh the phase of the moon because everything is like geared and mechanized and moving okay very similar and also like really similar purpose like an armillary sphere is a spherical framework of rings centered on earth or the sun that that represent lines of the celestial longitude and latitude and other astronomically important features like the earth's movement around the sun so like star charting and things yeah and like through chinese history astronomers created these like celestial globes to assist in the observation of the stars they also used the armillary sphere in aiding calendrical calculations this is all from wikipedia and um yeah it's fucking sick basically they could figure out how they could create like a working model of the solar system like the star system by screwing rings together. And I, I read into like the actual construction of it. It's very complicated, but yeah. also like not that complicated. It's just mathematical. Got to have it at the right meridian and blah, blah, blah. Sick. Anyway, he's seeing, you know, you've got telescopes and you've got these armillary looking sort of spheres that are moving. And there are even like some slaves, he says, or slave-like people uh, pushing a spoked wheel to keep these spheres moving. Oh. And a guy comes over and introduces himself. And his name is Mozi. Okay. M-O-Z-I. I like to pronounce it Mozi. I'm sure it's not that. And 
to me, Mozi, this is also not how he's described, but like I think of him. Did you ever see Austin Powers Gold Member? Yes. He to me is gold member. Okay. He's a lover, you know? I feel like he's like in all gold. He's not at all. But this guy is gold member. He's like, welcome to my pyramid. You know, everything is new. Like, welcome, welcome. Uh. And Mozi also, by the way, just like King Wen, was a real character in Chinese history. Oh, okay. Was historically opposed to Confucianism, which of course was all about respecting, Confucianism was all about respecting specific relationships. And he wasn't into Taoism either. He founded Moism because, you know. Mozi, he named it after himself, which is all about universal love, baby. Fundamental feature of Moism promotes a philosophy of impartial caring. That is, a person should care equally for all individuals, regardless of their actual relationship to him or her. Um, The expression of this indiscriminate caring is what makes man righteous in Moist thought. And basically, it's just like this advocacy of impartiality. And yeah, Confucians really, like, they heavily opposed Moism because Confucians believed that while love should be unconditional, it should not be indiscriminate. Mm. Like that children should hold greater love for their parents than for random strangers, which is like kind of reasonable. And I was just thinking it's like pretty interesting to think how we love is something that is culturally taught or not taught or like passively taught or explicitly taught. And like everything I know about how to love, I learned from that auto-tuned ballad by Lil Wayne. How to love. But you know what I mean? Isn't that crazy? Thank you for that. No, but yeah, actually, like, I I agree with that. Because, like, it's like, I don't know. I wasn't, like, explicitly taught this is the way that you love. But I learned it by observing behaviors. Right. Of people and, like, family members and friends of family members. Like, that way. So that you sort of, like, learn interpersonally, like, how you're supposed to care for people. America has a very weird way of teaching how to love and who to love. Yeah. But, like, we never really had, like like a confucian like thought right like you should love impartially like no one teaches you that you learn that very passively and you might not learn that at all you might learn how not to love you know yeah it's just interesting like china really had and has i guess but really had like i mean i guess because america's so young too like it's not thousands of years old like china having these whole philosophical educational systems of filial piety right and like that there were warring beliefs around like oh should you love everyone equally or should you love your parents more than strangers and it's a really good philosophical question well and then like also a lot of religions teach that you should love everyone equally but then in practice even a lot of followers of religions don't actually like apply that to Across sort of board. like their day in day out so like they might say oh yeah i love everybody equally but like it's like no you don't just watch how people act and that'll show you exactly and i also feel like a lot of western philosophy was focused on like ontological debate mm-hmm. and not so much on human relations yeah like we were very much like well where does the soul exist and like where does like does is god real but like not so much what is love and how should we apply it yeah like existential in favor of like the realism right in front of you exactly and like the cosmos but Mm -hmm. it's like what about the microcosmos yeah anyway mozi also really believed that decisions of who's in power should be based on meritocracy Mm. those who are worthy of power should imagine imagine (laughs) what a crazy idea i know that's very socratic too no yeah like philosopher kings which i feel like we all had a hard on for in college like wait why don't we have philosopher kings anyway mozi is like wait i know you 
you were a follower of King Wen back in Civilization 137. Oh, wow. And Wing is like, I, I did follow him here, but I, I didn't believe in his stories or theories, you know, uh, trying to like kind of cover his ass. Mozi is like, well, good, because, you know. They cooked him. They cooked him, and he, he they literally cooked him. And he gives him, he gives Wang an update. Mozi's like, well, during the 362,000 years you've been gone. Wait, sorry. He's been <laughs> logged off for three days. Not even, like two days. Three, and it's been how long? 362,000 years. Oh my God. Okay, got it. Since you've been gone. Since you've been gone. So they haven't been forgetting to flip the, the trunk with the sand. No. During the 362,000 years you've been away, civilization has been reborn four more times. Jesus. And they've struggled one only got halfway through the stone age and civilization 139 made it all the way to the steam age and wang is like how'd they do it and mozi's like luck yeah like (laughs) pure luck the sun they didn't have three stars in the sky yeah that brought chaos exactly Mozi's like, come, let me show you what remains of Civilization 139. He takes a telescope and he points it down at the ground below oh, the no. pyramid. And Wang looks through the telescope and he sees a skeleton <gasps> standing frozen in a position as if it was like once stroking a long beard. Guess who Guess who he says it was? Oh, no. King Wen. Mm-mm. No. What did I just tell you? Not Fushi. Who? Confucius? Yes. No. <laughs> He's like... That's old Confucius over there. Old Confucius thought he could predict the motion of the sun by creating rights based on order and propriety. He predicted a stable era that would last five years, and guess what? They've killed Confucius? A stable era did come. Wow. That lasted one month. And Wang was like, the sun just didn't rise? And Moti's like, no, it rose to the middle of the sky. And then it went out. Oh. What? Yeah, like... Suns don't just go out. Wing is like, wait, what the fuck? Well, I mean, they do, but like, right, but like, that's a bad day. He's like, well, it gradually dimmed, it became smaller, and then it went out. Oh. And then night fell. Cold, cold, cold. And Confucius turned into a column of ice. And he's still there, bro. Oh. Right there. And Wing's like, what was left in the sky? Anything? And he's like, yeah, there was a flying star in that location. And it was like a soul. After the sun died. Oh. Isn't that haunting? Yeah. This throws a wrench in all of Wang's theories. Mozi's like, listen, boo. All those Taoists and mystics and shamans that came before me are useless. They spend all their time stroking their beards and knowing nothing of praxis. I am Mozi. I am gold member. I love gold. I love telescopes and models of the universe. He's like, see, I'm something of an inventor, you see. And he points at his telescope and at his giant copper spheres. And he presents his theory of the universe. Okay. Lay it on me. He's like, the universe is not made of gods. 
The universe is a machine. Ooh. He's all about the machine. Uh-huh. Wang's like, let's not be insightful. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I know. And yeah. and Mozi's like, grab the popcorn. Don't worry. I'll explain. Roll tape. Yeah. <laughs> the, you know, I feel like the servants come over and they like pull down like a fucking projector and they flick it on and it's like. You see, civilization began. Um, no, he goes, he shows him his model of the universe. He says, the universe is a hollow sphere floating in the middle of a sea of fire. There are numerous tiny holes in the surface of this sphere, as well as one large one, the sun. The light from the sea of flames outside of the sphere shines through these tiny holes. And those are what we see as stars. Okay. And the large one is the sun. Wang is like, interesting theory, uh-huh. but just one problem. We can see the motion of the sun against the fixed background of stars. Right. Mosi's like, don't worry. I've adjusted my model for this exact reason. The universe is made of actually two spheres. One inside of the other. Okay. The inner sphere and the outer sphere. The uh, big one, the big hole, is on the outer sphere. And the little tiny holes is, are on the inner sphere. Oh, uh, okay. The big holes fills the space between the two spheres uh-huh. with light, which is how we see the stars. Even, yeah, right. As the tides of the, of the sea of flames shift, the shells, these spheres, expand and shrink, causing the size of the sun to change in size and brightness. Okay. Of course, there's problems with this theory because, well, I mean, I'm thinking like, what the fuck is the sea of flames? I love this theory of the universe because it is insane. Well, it sounds very like universe equivalent of like what flat earthers describe as Antarctica, what we know to be a continent. They describe it as like a wall of ice that goes around the circular flat earth. Oh, no way. So it's giving me like the space equivalent of that. That's so funny. Right. It's like, yeah, I guess I can see how it appears that way. Wing is like, and what do you have to say about the flying stars? And Emoji's like, who cares about the flying stars, my my boy? But that's like like the whole point so far. Yeah. And Wing's like, I think they're really important. How does your model explain the sudden extinguishing of the sun during the time of Confucius? Yeah. Maybe it was a dark spot of cloud in the sea of fire passing over the big hole in the outer shell. Okay. Okay. He goes over to his copper model, and there's actually someone standing inside that sphere at all times recording the movement of the sun according to this model because it's basically a model of his model of the universe. There are some, like, changes to it. Like, instead of having a sea of fire, he, like, fills the space in between the two spheres with fireflies. Oh. To keep it from, like, overheating or whatever. And then, yeah, he just, like, makes certain adjustments. But essentially, he has someone standing in the center of that sphere at all times and, like, basically watching this model of the universe, watching how the sun changes in size and arc and whatever and and is essentially creating a calendar where he will he will finally be able to predict accurately it's like when nasa hired computers but they were people doing the computing yeah like back in the 60s oh like hidden figures yeah just like running the math their job title was computer oh right because like a person who computes they were doing the computing yeah it's a computer oh so there's someone in there being a computer and yeah, Mozi's like, and the dream of civilization 
will finally come true. We will have an accurate calendar. And you're actually just in time oh. for a four-year stable era. Emperor Wu of Han is about to tell the folks to rehydrate, per my prediction. So oh we're in the Han dynasty era. But already that makes me nervous. Because there's going to be a rehydration? Yeah. Yeah, especially because Mozi's theories already feel like a little... But you know what? He's more scientific than anyone who came before him, you could argue. Yes. Right? But it still makes me nervous. It still makes me nervous because of that sea of fire that just doesn't make sense. So Mozi brings up game interface, which I love. Mm -hmm. And he increases the rate of time passage. And a red sun rises and these frozen lakes melt and swarms of people down below like ants like start coming out of the water um, because there's, it's a stable era. So it's like there's been this decree to, to rehydrate. It's party time. Yeah. Mozi's like, do you not want to join this sexy life? He literally is like, you know, when women are first revived, they crave love. <laughs> Like, he literally is gold member. There's no reason for you to stay here anymore, Mr. Wang. The game is over. I've won. <laughs> I just love his arrogance. Wang is like, can I use your telescope for a second just to, like, observe the sun? Is yeah. there a way I can do that? And he's like, of course. He takes this, like, black glass smoked filter mm -hmm. and, like, puts it through the eyepiece so that he can look directly at the sun. Yeah. And aims the telescope right at the sun and sees the sun does kind of look like a hole through which there's a sea of fire. And like this sun, unlike our sun, has like a small core and like a very large gassy sort of flame around it, but like big and gassy. So that makes me think of like a red giant. Oh. Like what our sun will turn into. Oh. So after all of that nuclear fusion has happened and it's spent all of its energy that it can to sustain those reactions right it'll eject part of its core effectively losing some of its mass but increasing its atmosphere so like ultimately the earth is going to be consumed by the atmosphere of the sun expanding <gasps> so that sounds like that oh shit that is i mean that that is what it sounds like that makes so much sense wild that's I forgot that the core of the sun is what hydrogen. You are correct. Um, our sun is mostly made up of hydrogen, followed by helium. Right, right, and it's just like and then some other things, but mostly those two using those together, and that's creating a massive amount of energy. Yes, and eventually you're telling me it'll run out. So half lives, run out of hydrogen. Half lives. What we know about radioactive elements. Never forget. At a point, it will run out of hydrogen and have to switch to helium and then have to switch to the next available and the next available and oh. the next available. So when it goes through that, the sun's eventually going to transform itself into a different type of star. That'll be way more gas. More compact at the center, but bigger in scope. Damn. Because sun entropy, it's always trying to spread out. I remember like in elementary or middle school, it's probably middle school, where like you kind of realize like you learned about solid, liquid, and gas. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, but there's also plasma. Plasma. And you're just like, but like, and then they're like, don't worry about plasma. But it's like, why? Like, let's worry about plasma. Like, let's talk plasma. Isn't yeah. that the sun? Pure source energy. Can you describe it for me? Like, what does it feel like? 
I mean, I don't think you'd want to feel it, but like think of those like those plasma globes, right? That like you plug in, they make tons of little like purple and pink lightning strikes on the inside. That's plasma? You, that's plasma. Wait, really? Yeah, really. I thought that was just electricity. No. Those toys are plasma, plasma generators. But what the fuck is plasma? It's a state of matter that's highly energetic in nature. So crazy. Okay. They don't teach you that in schools, guys. To answer your question, from the Science Infusion Center at MIT, plasma is often called the fourth state of matter, along with, like you mentioned, solid, liquid, and gas. Just as a liquid will boil, changing into a gas, when energy is added, when you heat a gas, oh. it forms a plasma. It makes this soup of positively charged particles, which are called ions, and negatively charged particles, which are called electrons. Oh my god. And if you cool plasma, you get gas. Well, that is fucking sick. I learned something today. So, Mozi gives him that black glass, right? He's he's looking at through the telescope. Sun, sun looks different. Does kind of look like a hole. Time is passing really quickly. Wang is loving it. The sun is dipping below the horizon now. And he watches actually for 10 days observing the motion of the sun and the stars. He's just getting a lot of nice like observational science mm -hmm. done. Just watching it. 10 days passes pretty quickly. On the 17th day of the stable era that Mozi predicted, four hours after the predicted time for sunrise, the world is, say it with me, oh, still no. dark. <laughs> Wing is like, uh-oh, not a good sign, is it? Mozi. Mozi's like, don't worry. He's like surrounded by virgins <laughs> who've just come He's out like of He's like really the not afraid of the cauldron, this guy. No. Mozi's like, don't worry. The sun will rise soon enough. My, my predictions can't be wrong. The universe is a machine. And you know what, actually? Soon, the sun did rise. He wasn't wrong. The sun rises. The light brightens in the horizon. Uh-huh. A little more quickly than usual. Oh, no. Almost like to make up for lost time. Mm-hmm. Soon, light is basically shining throughout the entire sky before you would expect. I mean, like, it, it, the, the world is already bright as midday in the first few minutes of the morning. That's not a good sign. No. And the sun has still not even, like, fully risen over the horizon. But you can see in the horizon, like, the whole horizon is, like, illuminated, like, by a glow. Oh, no. Is it the big sun? It's, it's going to be a big sun. Oh. Spoiler. There's a blinding glare, like an ignited horizon line. And the sun is immense. Imagine like looking out at the horizon and the sun is as big as the horizon. It's like the one that made like the ground of the desert like boil last time. Did that happen last time? Yeah, yeah where, where they right, were like the immediately mud. having to seek shelter, find shade. Exactly. Oh, fuck. It's, but it's even bigger because last time the sun was, they said like, a half or quarter the size of the horizon. Mm -hmm. This time, it is the full size of the horizon. No. Bigger than the earth feeling. Wang sees columns of black smoke in the distance, and a fast horse comes galloping through the crowd, parting the crowd, and, and the riders screaming, The Yeah. And following the rider are these herds of animals, cattle, horses, all of them on fire, running across the ground below like burning carpet. The gigantic sun is now above the horizon, taking up almost half of the sky. Oh, Christ. Wayne can see the sea of flames and the sunspots 
on the sun, like right in front of him. Those who had already dehydrated and those who had not yet dehydrated are all burning up like logs in a fucking furnace. Like literally Just like instantly incinerated. Yes. Oh my god. It is apocalyptic. My jaw is on the floor when I'm reading this. The whole fucking planet is on fire. It is hell. And Wang hears a voice say, the stable era must continue. The universe is a machine. He won't let it go. He looks, it's obviously Mozi who's saying this, on fire. Mozi is on fire, encased in flames. And his skin is crinkling and literally like crisping and turning into charcoal. And he holds up this cloud of ash that was once his precious calendar. And Wang looks at his own two hands and they're literally like two torches burning up. And this is when I realized like, oh, I got it. Like everyone dies in the game. And then you log on again and you play as another civilization yeah this horrific sun turns into a dazzling sunset and then finally sets and it turns to night and the book says you know it was like a pair of giant hands pulled a black cloth over a world that turned to ash earth glowed a dim red light like a piece of charcoal from the furnace you could really see it you know and wing sees the stars but just for a moment before the steam and the smoke completely covers everything and and the sky is just totally dark and the world sinks into a dark dark chaos and red text appears on the screen saying civilization 141 fell into ruin in flames the civilization had advanced to the Eastern Han period. The seed of civilization remains. It will germinate and again progress through the unpredictable world of Three Body. We invite you to log on in the future. Oh my god. <laughs> Wang takes off his V suit. He's like, boy, that was intense. Calms down. He feels like this game is more real than the reality that he's living. Like the world in front of him is beginning to feel more and more superficially complex. Mm-hmm. And the world of three body is deceivingly simple. And I was like, yeah, you know what? The world is superficially complex. Yeah. Like we create all of the complexities that don't actually exist. Yes. From everything, literally everything. Like there is no complexity to life. No, existing isn't complex no like we're all so the same it's all the systems that we put around ourselves that yeah that like not even arguably unnecessarily complicate a lot of aspects of life bunch of minutiae that we just yeah fabricate anyway so i'm like i got i got you wang poor wang poor wang next day wang goes to work as usual and he's just kind of like doing what dash should have told him to do go to work drinks his coffee and he's going through the motions he's doing his job his job's kind of like a tranquilizer like for a lot of us just like he keeps himself busy and 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 he tries not to think about the nightmare that is now plaguing him and he occupies himself and he's like what can i do now you know when he leaves his job he's like so what does he do he goes to see yay wenji again of course He's like, let me go check up on Yang Dong. New BFF. When he gets there, she's reading and she's super happy to see him. And he's, she's like, you look so much better than I when I saw you last. It's it's, it's the, the ginseng that I gave you, the old ginseng. And she says, you know, ginseng ain't what it used to be. Back in my day, when I was working at the Red Coast, you could find high quality wild ginseng just like growing like huge size of your forearm i wonder what it's like there now she says i wonder if you could still find that and he's like 
Yeah, you know, I I did hear, obviously, about the fact that you worked at the Red Coast, but I've heard so many rumors. She's like, oh, it's a shame. All these rumors. Terrible. You know, we were sworn to secrecy, but after everyone retired and that book came out from that guy who like moved to Europe, which is so irresponsible. He's like, she's like, it's not that it was irresponsible that he, you know, publicized things about Red Coast. She's like, most of what he wrote was inaccurate. And that's the true shame. She's like, I should at least correct those errors. And she begins to tell Wang the story of what really happened those years while she's at okay, the Red Coast. finally. And that, my friends, is what will bring us to next week's chapter. Wait, you're leaving me there? That is it, baby! Oh. That is it! That's chapter 11. That's so hateful. How can you do that? How can you leave me like I know, but isn't that a good cliffhanger? After they're like setting targets, like working at Red Coast, setting targets in the cosmos, like turning on all these transmissions and like amplifier units and like... I know. If you're, if I remember correctly, next week is going to be a really fun one. Oh, I can't wait. Where we like actually find out what was going on like at the Red Coast. Mm-hmm. Lucky number 12? Lucky number 12. Is that a lucky number? I mean, to some. it's a dozen. True. We love a dozen. Which I equate to like donuts and bagels. True. So like, seems lucky to me. Yeah, and eggs. <laughs> so, yay, Wingy. It's just like, I'm old. I'm retired. I'll tell you what I know. I'm basically your stories. nanny to all these apartment kids. Yeah. I have tea to spill. My daughter's Do you de- have time? dead. Yeah. It's kind of beautiful i'm curious to see how the work that she did at red coast sort of like set the stage to sort of like allow wang miao to do what he's doing with nanomaterials right? i'm sure in some way there's going to be a through line because they're both scientists definitely knowing Xishin Lu, mm-hmm. there's no waste in this book no everything's so intentional so intentional there's not a single word that doesn't have a purpose mm-hmm. which is a shame because we are giving recaps that are most definitely leaving things out but listen you really want to know the exact wording? Read the fucking book. <laughs> because it's so good. It's so good. We're officially, I mean, from texts that we've received, we're yes. officially converting non-readers it's true. into fans of the three-body problem. It's true. Are we better than an audiobook? Mm. I think so. Not, no. We have a big surprise for you that we're going to, we can't wait to tell you guys about. Yeah. In a week or two. A week or so. We're so pumped to tell you guys. Big stuff is coming, though. We're really, really, really excited. But in the meantime, Civilization 3467 has failed. The seed of Civilization remains. Us. And we invite you to log on next Wednesday. Game over. You've been listening to Radar Peak, a three-body podcast. Subscribe and download on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for exclusive content we might not have time for, subscribe to our Patreon. One last thing before you go. If you enjoyed today's episode, leave a review and tell your friends about us. Join in on the conversation when you follow us on Twitter at RadarPeakPod. See you there.